Podcast world, what's up? Chad Belding back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Still coming at you from Saskatchewan, Canada, the lodge at Buck Paradise Outfitters. It's been a great week up here. The weather, Mother Nature hasn't really been cooperating, but we're taking what we can get. We're enjoying ourselves. A lot of good kinship, awesome food in Ray Ray's kitchen and seeing Grant and Ian and Garrett and Lana and the entire Buck Paradise crew has been awesome. It's been a, a great experience up in Canada so far. And you know, the podcast is one of those things to where we're fortunate enough to travel around to a lot of different locations and run into a lot of different folks, old friends, new friends, people that we're just getting introduced to, might have something in common with them, might not, but that's what this life ain't for everybody's all about. But it just gives us the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation and talk a little bit to our friends. And that's exactly what we're gonna do today. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Deemerbox, deemerbox.com. Check them out for all of your Bluetooth audio needs. And uh, I'm telling you guys, if you want great sound, great bass, great clarity, great treble, you can take it anyway, pack your gear in it, charge your iPhone from it, it floats, it's waterproof, Deemerbox.com, Peachtree City, Georgia, the boys down at Zach Brown Collective have something really strong going on with the old Deemerbox. And today's episode is also brought to you by Dick CPEC Tires. They've been getting us around America's roads, highways, freeways, back roads, Canadian back roads for 10 years now. We depend on Dick CPEC to get us to our hunts, our hunt camps, our events events, our podcasts safely and securely. That's what we depend on the Mickey Thompson branded tires and the Dick Peck family. Thank you so much for all the support over the last decade, Dick Peck. Check them out at dickcpeck.com. And today I'm sitting down with my man who we call Haas. I think Haas was probably a Waylon Jennings term for many years. And this man right here will correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. They might've even said it during some of the Dukes and ha- Dukes of Hazard episodes, but Leith Lofton from the great state of Mississippi, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, AKA Music City. I'm, I'm thinking about 12, 15 years ago. We'll get into that a little bit. Leith, how are you, buddy? Buddy, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, sir. This I, is uh, <clears throat> My Uncle Boot called me Hoss way before I knew who Waylon Jennings was. Your Uncle Boot did? Uncle Boot Mangrum. His name was Boot. Boot Mangrum, moonshine king of the South. Really? Yes, sir. His uh his uncle was uh, um oh man big moonshiner in mississippi well known he's a sunny boy of uh floyd or something like that sunny boy floyd i don't know i forget big outlaw we were just talking about him the other day here i am forgetting i never met him he passed on way before i was around but Boot Mangrum, I got to spend a lot of years around him. Uh, he named, he called you Hoss. He called me Hoss. Was he an influence at all in writing whiskey business? Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one of the the main cats uh, behind the inspiration of that song. Yeah. So you you're born in Mississippi. You got old Kenny Lofton and your mom, Miss Lofton, down there, Miss Tomato Gravy. But that's all I think about when I think about your mom. You yeah. made some yesterday. It's amazing. Brenda Lofton can do it. Yeah. Brenda, I don't know if I don't know if yours is as good as hers. Well, you've never had it with my homegrown tomatoes. You got to have homegrown tomatoes. And these canned tomatoes that we get in the store, they just don't have the acidity. We've talked about that, but it's all you know. Yeah. You're it's only as good dinner. as your ingredients. So. I've been cooking a lot of Italian sauces and gravies with homemade tomatoes. Brad Forsyth, you know, out in yeah. California had an awesome, awesome growth, this, an awesome hatch on yeah. his tomatoes this year. It's just certain ones you get uh, or have a little bit more 
acid in them and that just makes for a better pasta sauce and, and better, uh, to me, it's just, I like that high acid. Yeah, you have it to makes have for it. better canning tomato. You, have you been eating tomato gravy your whole life? Did you grow up on that stuff? Yeah. Cause it's amazing to me how many people, no matter where I uh, look at me like I'm crazy when I say tomato gravy. Up here at least four times. When it I amazes me. I can't believe that it's like just. The it's the same thing. reaction I had when you told me about it. Yeah, I know. I, like, I, I, I get it all the time. I don't. I don't understand what's going on. The world is missing out. It is really because it's not like that a should pasta be in the sauce. freezer aisle at Groger. It's not like a pasta sauce. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, a lot of Italians call it gravy, but a, a spaghetti sauce is totally different. A marinara oh, or yeah. any kind well, of tomato nothing, sauce. Yeah, it's nothing like that. I mean, because you start with a roux and everything yeah. when you do that gravy. Absolutely. Man, it's good. Yeah. So what year, what year, where were you and do you remember what you were thinking and where were you sitting when you said, I'm moving from Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee? Yeah. And why? Tell me when, where were you, when was it, and why? Okay, well, a little backstory up to the to that, where I was at that exact moment. So I went to, graduated from uh, University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, hotty toddy, go Rebels. Um, I graduated uh, in 03, the year Eli Manning graduated. We had a pretty good year that year. Um, but I had a good friend uh, there, uh, Daniel Trout, and uh, called me up. I, I had a, a sales job. I was uh, working for a company called Ecolab way back uh, then. And, you know, it was a good job. I mean, from Vaden, Mississippi, I was, I was doing pretty well for myself. But I was playing three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And uh, it's one of those days, we may have discussed this before. I don't know, I tell the story sometimes, but it was one of those days where you just kind of like today. If it can go, go wrong, wrong, it's gonna. It, it's gonna go wrong. So I've had, I was having one of those days and I was way in the Delta. I was coming back on Highway 82 from Greenville, Mississippi and I was way over there and I was just frustrated. Just And uh, Daniel calls me out of the blue and uh, I hadn't even talked to him in probably two or three months and hadn't seen him in probably longer than that. But um, he calls me up and says, hey, man, uh, going to run this by you. My company, which was a small medical sales uh, company based out of Memphis at the time, I don't even remember the name. I don't even know if I knew the name. But uh, anyway, they, were, they didn't have a market in Nashville, and they wanted to move him over there and let that be his. He'd break the ground uh, trying to get, you know, that territory going up for the company. And, he said, um, I don't really know a whole lot of people in Nashville. He, have you ever thought about moving to Nashville and pursuing your music? And at the time, I, I really hadn't even thought about it. I was just playing cover music and, in, in you know, honky-tonk and three nights a week. And I had started writing a little bit. Uh, I probably had five or six songs uh, under my belt and... Good Mississippi Times being one of them. Uh, and I think, you know, when I wrote that song and started playing it out, I, I think that's kind of what what kind of had people saying, oh, you ought to go to Nashville, and I just kind of blew it off. Because I, I didn't know if that, that was for me, really, to the limelight. and uh, I didn't really have that drive of chasing that neon rainbow. I guess I was chasing the neon rainbow in, in the honky-tonks of Mississippi. 
but yeah, I was on 82 and driving and he, he wanted a roommate in Nashville. And like I said, if I would have had a good day at work that day, I probably would have uh, checked up a little bit on it, but uh, it was a terrible day. So I said, man, let me, let me, let me think on that a minute. And I called my boss. I said, Hey, if I moved to Nashville, could I get transferred with, cause I, I didn't want to move up there. I was a little nervous moving up there with having nothing to go live on, you know? But I had, you know, I bartended in college and I kind of had a, that trade under my belt and I, I grew up building houses. So, I mean, I could get a job, you know, um, in construction of some sort. So I wasn't that worried about it. And my, my boss, uh, he said, well, let me check on it. He said, why do you want to move? And I told him and uh, he came to see me the weekend after I told him that. And after uh, he heard me play, he came up and he shook my hand. He said, I understand. He said, you need to be in Nashville. My boss told me that, that didn't want me to move. So I was like, well, cool, Mike, thank you a lot. And uh, so he was gonna try to get me transferred, but I'm glad he didn't because it would have tied me down. And uh, I ended up getting pretty tied down in Nashville too. I, I always over, I don't know, I get myself into too many things. I, I keep myself way too busy, but um, I ended up working two jobs as it is. I started bartending and then I started pouring concrete and I was, you know, trying to find time to write songs. But, um, this is uh, you know, this is an 03 still? This is 05, 05, 05, 05 yeah. yep. So I graduated in 03 and I worked in the, in the sales, yeah, I worked sales for, uh, I did a little, I did like six months selling cars. Buddy, I just couldn't look people in the eye and try to sell a product. I wasn't, no offense, Honda. Uh, I, I actually love Honda ATVs and everything, but I was trying to sell a product I didn't know anything about. And, and um, so I got out of that and went into uh, mortgage lending and uh, didn't know much about that either and didn't really have anybody take up any time to kind of show me. They just kind of threw me in there with it and, and it was a full commission and I was, I sank pretty, pretty low. That was pretty low time in my life. And then I finally got this job with Ecolab and that was uh, really good almost two years before uh, Daniel called me and put that idea to move to Nashville. And so just a little backstory on how I got there, but uh, Man, I, I moved to Nashville and just started immediately. So funny thing is, so Daniel, my friend that talked me into moving to Nashville, he stayed there six months. We had a year lease and he, he stuck me with a year lease. And went back to Mississippi? <laughs> went back to Mississippi. He couldn't hack the, the sales job, which is what I quit my job. <laughs> Same type of job, but yeah, it's not for everybody. So you're in Nashville, you're, you're working as a, at LabCorp? No, no, I, that was, I quit. That's in Mississippi too, so I, you quit I, to move up to Nashville. Yeah. And you, you, you don't have anything going. You're just going up there with your guitar because you're talked into it by your buddy because he wants a roommate and he calls you and asks you if you're interested in furthering your music career. You go to your boss and ask him. He says, why you want to move? A week later, he comes to watch you play. Now he understands why you want to move and have the guts to even try it in Music City. So what are you doing when you get up there for income? Oh, so I'm scrapping for about three months and then I land a little bar, bartending gig, which is, I didn't really want to do. Uh, but it was cool. I, I, um, I got to bartending and uh, I started off bartending at the Wild Horse Saloon downtown. And it was all right. 
Um, then I kind of got burnt out on that. Well, I, I uh, was actually bartending a uh, Jared Neiman concert, and the owners of 12th and Porter, or the, the two girls that was managing it at, at the time, were, uh, were at the concert. And I was slinging drinks on the sidebar, getting uh, getting everybody lit up pretty good, and and uh, just really slinging drinks and uh, keeping up with the demand. And um, so the girls gave me their car that night and said, "Hey, we want you to come work for us at Twelfth and Porter." Well, that was a good move because Twelfth and Porter at the time was a really cool music venue and I mean I met uh, Randy Hauser in there and, and Trent Wilman and Shooter Jennings and Gary Allen and Jamie Johnson and um, even uh, Big and Rich. I was meeting all these people you know just not getting to know them by no means but just uh, shaking hands with them and just I was in the scene because they were just uh, but I, I did get to play um, with uh, uh, the gambler, the uh, Kenny Rogers. No, the gambler. See, here I am. I'm, I'm having. Hey, I'm asking you to go way back, man. This is 15 years well, ago. Well, I know, but I should know the the Don Schlitz. Don uh, Schlitz. Okay. Man. He wrote the gambler with Kenny Rogers. Well, he didn't write it with Kenny, but he wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah. So Kenny, Kenny didn't write it. No. So Don Schlitz came. He, we uh, we used to pick guitar in Twelfth uh, and Porter after we'd shut the bar down late. You know, three and four in the morning, lock the doors and. Uh, just have a guitar pull and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to play a song in front of Don Schlitz and uh, he's playing things like The Gambler and I'm just like, what in the world? On the other hand. Oh, on the other hand. Randy Travis. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, shaking hands with, with, you know, guys like that. Just when first moved to Nashville, it was a pretty cool experience, uh, the 12th and Porter experience. And met a bunch of good friends there and, and had a good little writing network from that uh, that move. And uh, so it was good. And, you know, little by little, you just shake enough hands and start meeting people and, and uh, you know, start writing some songs. And, of course, I was writing in Mississippi, but started co-writing, which is something I, I wasn't used to uh, before. I moved to Nashville, which was is big in Nashville. I mean, everybody co-writes in Nashville, but um, there's there's still a lot of purists out there that like you know to write on their own, and I I think that's the best way to to pen a song is is to get it on your own. You know, you get more. I mean, that the songs are more real um, because you just have your idea about it and nobody's lived that idea but you and it's it's you and you don't get another spin on it you know there may be more clever lines coming between two people like oh this would be you know what about this line and you I would have never thought about had a co-writer been there you know so I mean it doesn't really I can't say it takes away from a song but there's something to just like a solo write on a song you know that that artist felt that and 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 was just you know if it becomes a hit I mean it's um that just credits that artist or songwriter even more so I would say that most of the songs that are coming out in today's scene though are written by at least two people co-writing right? at least, at least two, two. two yeah a lot of them are three and four sometimes uh, five five people oh, oh, like, so they're splitting the money when it goes number one yeah 
if there's any revenue driven on it. Uh, there was five credited songwriters on Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I've heard the story of, on that song, I, uh, but you can't ever go off of that. But I've, I've heard it. Three, three of the guys wrote it, and then two other people got credit. But uh, who knows? So you're singing drinks, 12 and Porter, meeting a bunch of people, opening up your network with a bunch of singer-songwriters, guys that are pretty much in Nashville trying to do the same thing you're doing at the time. Yeah. And then you're meeting guys like Don Schlitz, who probably made a killing off of The Gambler with what Kenny Rogers did to that, the movie, the, the soundtrack. I mean, that was a huge hit. So you're... Are you, you're living in an apartment and now you live in a house. How does that all go down to where you, you all of a sudden you're living up on near top drive? Did that happen right away or is that something that came way down the road? What, did you stay living in an apartment for a long time in Nashville? Um, well, I was actually fortunate enough to, uh, I was living in an apartment for three years. Um, yeah, and it was, it was tough on me because I, but I was in Mississippi living uh, on, I was kind of a caretaking on top of everything else I was doing, I was kind of helping um, this doctor. He was like the number two cardiologist. He had 475 acres, just um, a few miles from my parents out, way out in the woods. And I, I was living out there on all that property with my nearest neighbor being like a mile on a dirt road, you know. And, and now was, you're cooped up and, I, and I you was, can't handle that. Oh, I couldn't handle it. So. Uh, I don't know, it's kind of a, you know, it's a long story about the whole near top drive move, but uh, it's a pretty cool story. Those of y'all who don't know the story, come talk to me, I'll tell you about it. I don't know, um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, the Lord is definitely, uh, he blessed me. Well, on, tell me uh, in a nutshell, you're serving drinks to a lady. No. No, that's not how it went. Mm -mm. To a, uh, a gentleman there, and, and he brings his mother in the house, or in the bar, and her husband had just died. And John Party and I was playing music every Tuesday night, uh, just acoustic in this little bar called Nero's. And so he said, well, you need to come meet this guy. Basically, I think he was trying to pawn her off on this bar to get her out of his hair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, She's so, an older lady. Oh, she was 87 at the time. And she had rental property, and and uh, I was, like I said, pouring concrete and bartending at the same time. I, I had long since uh, left uh, 12th and Porter. I was That phase is gone. The, that bar shut down. Those two girls ran it in the ground, and uh, so I had to start pouring concrete. Uh, and then I, got, I was pouring concrete and got that bartending job at Nero's. I was doing both at the, t at the same time. Uh, and then, like I said, we were playing on Tuesdays. Well, he brings his mom in and introduces me. I was playing just some old country music, you know, and, and uh, she came in there. And I, when I was bartending, I would just take up time with her. I could tell she was just lonely. And uh, I just, being, you know, the nice guy, just started talking to her. And she started coming in there every day when I'd set up the bar. She just talked to me. And uh, so found out that she she was kind of talking that, that she had some rental property and i was telling her you know i was working construction you know during the day some days and and uh she said well do you know how to do this and that and i said well I, sure she said well i've got some rental property i said well have you got anything available because i'm also looking for a place and she said she didn't but we kept talking and talking uh 
few weeks roll by, she, I, I think she gets and got to know me a little better and trusted me a little bit more. And she wrote down an address, and I, she said, meet me here, you know, next day or so if you can. And this woman's 87 now. <laughs> she, I'm like, all right. She gets, gets around pretty good to be 87. So I meet her at this house, and I show up, and it's like a 2,000-square-foot house, two-car garage, and I'm just like, no. No, I, I'm looking for a one-bedroom, one-bath. Yeah, little, too big for me right now. Yeah, I can't afford this. She hands me the keys, and, and uh, she's like, you help me manage my rental property, you know, lawn maintenance, some remodels, you know, whatever i mean i i started handy thanks to thanks to youtube i you know i take care of all the electrical all the plumbing i mean just about it if i can you know if it's within my my know-how I'll, I'll take care of it and that's just the way it she did you know she met let me move in rent free and it was a blessing such a blessing that um because i went from working two jobs not having any time to write to to working for her and you know after I'd get my work done then I was freed up you know and I did continue to bartend there for three years after still working for her and bartending but I was bartending only like three nights a week at that you know so I still had plenty of time which is good for your networking in Nashville too though yeah and uh and then you know I was playing still playing a lot on the weekends and uh leaving town dragging a trailer and beating the interstates up, dragging, you know, playing a little four-piece band uh, all over the South. And uh, so, yeah, that, it was a blessing to, to, to have that and her help me out like that. And of course, our, our relationship, uh, she just needed a lot, a lot more help than I, you know, she let on. So it just grew into a, a bigger, you know, th more responsibilities for me. And now she's still kicking at 98. And, you know, I'm kind of uh, have moved on to like being a, more of a responsible power of attorney to where I'm kind of trying to take care of her in her, you know, she's getting dementia. But, uh, but anyway, my family's kind of taking her in and we've, her son's passed on and, and she really doesn't have any family now. So yeah, it was one of them. Where so you it still was live a God in, you thing. still live yeah. in the same house? Yeah, yeah. It's still there. Yeah. Still still rent free. Rent free. Really? Yeah. How many years has it been? Uh, 2011. 2011, almost 10 years. Yeah. Rent free. That's yeah. pretty good. All all for being a good person and taking up time with a lady to listen to her and give her some attention and and not let her let that loneliness take over. Yeah. That's pretty good, huh? Uh, yeah. Well, and you kind of sad to think about it because I'm rent free and I still broke as a joke. <laughs> There's a song in there. Rent free and broke as a joke. How does that even work? So I know how it works. I didn't get married now. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, I get that. So you, oh, so, this, babe, so th you. that's what happened with the houses then is that you just stayed in one house rent free and then she, you take over a little bit of power of attorney to help her out and, and, and watch her finances and stuff with the courts? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, this—I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. But you—that that all came out of conversation in a bar in Nashville. Just being treating a, somebody right. Treating somebody right. And ten years later, you're still living in your house rent-free. People are crazy. <laughs> Beer is good. Is that it? People are good. So now you start. Now you get some time freed up, and now you start running around. When do you meet Wayne Mills? Uh, Wayne Mills has become. 
you know, I've been looking into a lot of Wayne since of what yeah. happened to him and listening to his music. It seems like he had a reputation and a friendship with everybody you pretty much named that you met in 12th and Lindsay when you started naming those guys off. 12th and Porter, yeah. They're 12th and Porter. I'm yeah. sorry, it's 3rd and Lindsay, third right? And Lindsay. I'm That's all right. messed up. No, you're good. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he, was a, he was around, right? He's from Alabama. He was from Alabama, and uh, man, Wayne was, he was several years older than I was. And Wayne was knocking down. He was big in the college, uh, college scene, playing the soror uh, fraternity parties and and just a lot of the college bars um, before I was even in college. And uh, there's a funny story uh, with a friend of mine. I think you know Fulton. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we need to throw any names out there, but it's a funny story about some uh, edit, some maybe some some shrooms or something that wasn't really the, the edible kind and <laughs> hospital trip with somebody and I think Wayne liked to kill my buddy Fulton and <laughs> <laughs> Wayne had powerful stuff yeah so uh, yeah so Wayne and I meet at uh, Losers um, so again John and I used to play um, with the mutual friend of ours now Bobby Johnson and we were playing at, at Losers um, how they used to set up the three acoustic guitars you know and we were playing there several nights a week um, and somewhere along the lines I met uh, I met Wayne Mills um, I think through I think maybe Bobby Johnson, somebody that we knew, um, it's kind of all a blur back back in those days. But um, and then I, I'm, the same night I meet Wayne, Wayne introduces me introduces me to Brent Cobb. Same night, and uh, no, sorry, I, I knew Wayne for a little while. The same night I met Wayne's guitar player Kyle Wilson, which I ended up writing a bunch of songs with and playing a lot of shows with. Wayne's guitar player at the time, Kyle. I met Brent and Kyle the same night, and then uh, Brent and I started writing. Um, we all three, Wayne and Brent and I, wrote a few songs together, and then Brent and I started writing uh, a few songs. You know, we we wrote a, several songs after that, and um, so it was yeah, it was the losers. Uh, Blur. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Which is caused, that place has caused a lot of those. Yeah. So what kind of musician is Wayne Mills? If he was, if what happened to Wayne did not happen, was he going to be radio friendly or would he have been kind of a behind the scenes kind of outlawish guy that wasn't really Nashville radio, top 40 radio? Uh, no, I don't think we were writing for radio. I mean, his last album that was never released, um, he cut there in Nashville and um, I went to uh, one of the sessions. Uh, he had some really stout players. He had um, a lot of Jamie Johnson's guys playing on the record. He had uh, Brent Mason. Uh, was Hennessy on there? Uh, Hennessy may have been on there. I, I, I may be wrong in saying that. I don't know. I know Swine was on there and the drummer, I forget his, uh, forget his name, but uh, uh, but Cowboy was on there. Um, just some, some really good players, and I think the album was going to be great. I, I, uh, but his investor kind of, I don't know what happened and all that, pulled the plug after it was over and didn't release it. Or, or maybe it was about to be released, and then that happened to him. And um, 
his investor held the masters and didn't didn't release it which i think he kind of made a lot of people upset about that i don't know was, there was <laughs> so he gets murdered though he ends up getting shot to death in a parking lot yeah. in downtown nashville late night over yep. a cigarette or something yep the story goes yep crazy crazy how that all and he he was what he how old how old was he when that happened you think 40 full uh, he was uh a little over 40. well i just wanted to bring up wayne uh, he, may, he may have been 40 because i was 40. yeah i think people need to go find his music and you know listen to what they can because he's, he's good yeah so the album that was released uh the last honky tonk uh the last song on that album was a song he and i wrote and he told me that he wanted to write it with me he had the the idea um about uh he had oh, whoa, the whoa, whoa 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 yeah he had the idea about his dad so uh so we wrote the song called homeward bound really and um they played it at his funeral uh which was pretty cool uh so yeah go find that song it's a good one homeward bound homeward and bound. you mentioned another singer songwriter from georgia in there brent cobb and yeah. who i've heard you say stuff like one of your favorite songwriters he'll go into the songwriting hall of fame mm -hmm. he's what does he have like you know songwriting your songs are awesome but what does he have is it his wordsmithing is it the way that he puts together a line is it his melt how does what does brent cobb have that makes him or makes leith loft and say he will be a hall of fame songwriter he's got a vowel and a consonant it's called it he's got it yeah i mean i don't know how to explain it he's just uh he grew up around it i mean he started his dad was in it you know his dad was a songwriter and um see my dad was a musician but wasn't a songwriter so i didn't really grow up trying to craft a song uh as much and i think he was molded into it but i mean that's still though you can you can grow up around it and still not have it i mean he he was blessed to, with with that talent. I mean, I mean, look at, you know, Jerry Clower. Do you remember Jerry Clower? I've never heard, heard the word. Remind me what he wrote. No, he's a comedian. Comedian. Oh, South yeah, Oklahoma. Comedian. Mississippi. Was he, was he Mississippi? About the coon hunting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard him. Oh! Shoot that thing. So he, like could tell us, he could tell a story like nobody else. Jerry Clower was the king of the storytelling. So, and Brent Cobb does that to a song. He, he's a picture, he can just tell a, you know, a story, painting a picture with his lyrics like no other. I mean, what, what, songs really have you, what songs have you written with him that I know? Uh, so the first album I, I, um, I put out uh, probably nine years ago, I uh, put that song Tragedy. Tragedy wrote with Brent Cobb. Yeah. Uh, the we girl from I, I Need the Country. We wrote I Need the Country. Um, we wrote uh, Pick a Little Louder. Oh, yeah. Huh? Sounds like a little Jerry Jeff riff. Yeah. Pick a Little Longer, I think he had it. <laughs> um, we wrote a couple more. Uh, we wrote... Uh, uh. Is Brent Cobb related to Dave Cobb, the producer that does some of the musicians in Nashville? Are they related? Yes. They are. Yeah. Does he produce Brent's albums? He does now. Well, yeah. well that guy's one of the top, isn't he? Yeah. 
I mean, it was, uh, so Brent started taking off when they finally let Dave produce, his, produce a record on him. When they had that, uh, what was that um, record that was a collaboration of a bunch Southern, of artists? Southern Family or whatever, Southern yeah. Table. What, so, yeah. yeah, Brent was on there. One, he had Dave a song on that, yeah. yeah. So Jamie Dave, Johnson was on there, Zach, right. yeah. So Dave produced that, and Brent had a song on there, and um, I, that's what led up to him producing uh, the an, a whole album, which was later... <laughs> Later, uh, nominated for a Grammy, as we, you know, for Americana. And that was on yeah, Shine on the, that was, but that Shine on the Rainy Day was nominated for a Grammy too. His first solo album, right? That day produced. That was the album. That's the album. That's Shine the on album. Rainy I'm day. talking. Yeah. God, that that album's amazing. The second album, uh, Providence Canyon, uh, was hasn't hasn't been nominated, but um, <laughs> half coyote there. We got dogs trying to run up on us. <laughs> so Providence Canyon has not been nominated yet. No, but I, uh, I mean, it's probably mine and your favorite album. Oh my gosh! Right now, right? He always runs into Isbell, huh? Isbell always gets that 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 Americana. Oh man, well, he's good. Right. I mean, it's yeah, he's well deserved to get it. I mean, he's awesome. He's another. I mean, he's like Isbell is the. I would say I would put him in the modern day Merle Haggard category. He's amazing. He's good. And musicianship too, right? Guitar playing, writing, everything. Yeah. So I heard you make a comment at one time and you said that, that being in music business, it can, it can, have, it's got, you know, it's ins and outs, it's ups and downs, a roller coaster ride. It can take you to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Some people, a lot of people move to Nashville with these dreams yeah. and they get crushed. And then where do you go from there? And you've always said, I love playing music. I love writing songs. It didn't, if I didn't break, or you know, they use that term break, yeah. break an artist, you know, you get us hit on the radio, or you're man, you know, you start to take off and you're selling out arenas or whatever. Um, you were in it to where you liked playing around a campfire just as much as you would selling out an arena, even though that would be nice. If, if Leith Lofton never broke, you, am, I, am I hearing that right? Like you're in it for the reasons of not becoming mainstream or just making money off of it. You're in it because you have passion and love for the art. Absolutely. But, you know, and then there's another side of me that, um, you know, our buddy Drake White had in Simple Life. And then we've got, a, he and I wrote another song that's got uh, a line that's similar to that. I mean, I, I am a simple kind of guy. I mean, I like, I like the outdoors. I, I, I just don't want that, you know, I mean, I think it was kind of an, a prayer or, or, or an answered prayer that was never prayed <laughs> of me not making it. You know, I think God yeah, kind of, yet. yet uh, I think God was kind of just like kn knows the timing. Everything's timing. And, uh, you know, if he, if he thinks that I, uh, that's where I need to be, then he'll put me there. If he thinks I'm good right where I'm at. He'll keep you there. He'll keep you there. But uh, you, it's all in his timing. And, you know, I just keep the love for it. Um, I find myself, I haven't, you know, I haven't been um, as steady on the writing. I, I've kind of fallen back to where now, you know, I was in the Nashville writing mode to where I was forced to write every day and, 
paired up with these people and, and writing and just stamping out a song. Now I'm, <clears throat> I'm back to how I used to write is, is I don't write until I've, I know what I want to write about. I'm inspired about something. Well, it seems to me like what you're saying when I call it cubicle songwriting or cubicle country to where yeah. I just picture this big office with all these accountants in there that are songwriters and they're oh. just bean count. They're just boom, boom, boom. And then they put them out there and an artist might pick one up and then it's like, you hear it on the radio and it's like, that sounds just like that. Well, that sounds just like that. Well, and there's no authenticity to it. I'll tell you how it is. So you go into a publishing publisher's house and they've got writing rooms and some of them are back to back and you can literally i remember specifically um me and a, a guy named rexton lee were in the uh so he was signed to sony sony tree and uh we were writing at sony's writing room called the firehouse and we were writing with john party one day and john uh, <laughs> he's like the loudest singer like just, we were just writing a song and he's doing a work tape and he's just stretching his vocal cords as to the max, and the heard the line. No way. Well, the people people next door to us just came and knocked down, said, "Hey, can y'all keep it down?" Oh, that's how close it is. I yeah. thought you were going to say that. No. Oh, but yeah. I'm sh <laughs> well, well, actually, I heard. Uh, so, same same writing room uh, or writing building, the firehouse. I hear a story. Uh, I don't know how true it is, but again, but I think it's pretty came from a pretty credible source. So Lee Bryce, and I can't remember the song, was in there writing. Heard it through those thin walls, these two guys bumping around on this melody, and he opened the door and he said, "Hey guys, that's that's pretty cool. What what y'all working on?" And he jumped in on it. They wrote a song and it he cut it. So it's pretty cool though. So it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so you you have the ability to. Keep, stay authentic and I, I can see that that if you take your time and you're not you know being signed to a publishing deal I think is is one of the ways of a Nashville bound person to have a steady income you're getting paid a retainer or, or an income yeah. to constantly write to sure. me it seems like that could there's a chance that if you're just racking your brain every day on ideas and never letting anything original or fresh come to it that you might run out of authentic authentic or passionate ideas so is is you still come up with those clever i mean you find different ways to say things and and yeah there's still some clever lines written uh i've got a good friend michael hardy he he's just uh had two big Blake Shepton cuts and he's he's definitely pounding them out every day you know but uh, but yeah, there's just something that's just, um, it's just not, a, I mean, like, I don't know, it's just something not completely believable in a lot of those songs. Right. I, I think that's what I'm, that's what I I'm just think for. that a lot of the music on the radio today is like that. I just listen to it and I'm like, where is the country? Where is the soul? Where is the, the wittiness? I mean, I guess there's still some cleverness to some, some, but it's just like a lot of it just is, it's the same stuff. It's real poppy to me. It's a really it poppy air and, and country music. But a lot music. of that is is the um, the radio, huh? The well, the the producing the producing style um, of what they're the yeah the radio is they're like hey we need it to sound like this you know I guess uh, so they put in that that beat to it and a lot of uh, I think we talked about that last time is these writers uh, you'll have two lyrics lyric guys and then they'll hire or they're they're signing pub deals to. Uh, guys that just come up with a beat you know and uh so they'll come in there and they'll they'll 
come up with a beat right there on the fly and then you write a song about that and that's what a lot of these songs kind of have the same kind of sound you know yeah so what when you're talking about songwriting though and in its purest form and what you do you have songs that i've heard that they're witty they're clever they have a lot to do with how you were raised um have have you ran into an instance to where you you go into a round a right you know a writing room and you're sitting there writing with with somebody and you come up with something and you're like man that's not just me i'm just I'm, i don't even want to deal with that i don't want to touch it or do you keep building on an idea in that round or do, do you just cut it off right away no. if, it, if it's not you no, how does that work how do you really get to the end of a song let's just take well, one of your songs for example i've like, had i've had several rights that didn't we didn't finish the song and if it's if it is like that usually you won't get back on it you won't get back on unless it. the uh your co-writer is like digging it and he wants to finish it with you and you know then you you sit down and just kind of scratch it out but um but yeah it happens i mean you just sometimes you just start a song and maybe you have just a hook you don't have a good melody you got a hook and uh it's just you start it and it just don't go anywhere when do you give me an example of a song that i know that Leith lofton has been a writer on that you knew you had something like you went ah oh. That's good. Is it? Is it? Do you remember who you were with? Do you remember when you heard it or you wrote it and you're like, I like it. That's we we can build on that. Do you have an, an example of that? Um, yeah, I mean several examples of of that. I mean, uh, usually with usually the within the first you know first verse, if you got a verse that flows, of course the chorus is what your is the money maker, of course. But if but you got to have a good verse and. A lot of times people, and I, I even write, I mean, that some days are better than others. I I wrote the whole chorus in the shower one morning, and then I sat down and finished it with Ashley McBride. Um, but I, I I knew that I I liked that song. It was me when I wrote it. And then, I mean, when I came up with it in the shower. So you uh, come up with it in the shower, and yeah. you start putting a melody to it in your head? Yeah, I mean, you go, I, I, you, the you melody go out, you run came. out, you run out naked and get your guitar and and start recording on your iPhone right then. Uh, I, I just, I just, I just went and yeah, I just went and started laying went down. Sang, sang it on the my recorder. Yeah, let me hear that real quick, can I? Some day, I, I, man, Ashley McBride was a co-writer on that one too, huh? Yeah. You also did "Everything's Better on the Water" with her. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's one more, wasn't there? Yeah, she cut uh, "Looking for a Buzz." Looking for a buzz, yeah. Pretty sunrise lighting up the morning sky And I can't wait to see what the day's gonna bring I was raised taking nothing for granted The good Lord won't leave you empty-handed But he ain't scared to give or take away anything Good times roll and hard times end and That's just the way it is some dogs bark a little louder Some moms feel a little prouder Some stars shine a little brighter Some burdens get a little lighter 
Some whiskey kicks a little stronger Some loves last a little longer Above the ground is better than under Some days are better than others God dang it I gotta tune this guitar So is that months? Is that months to come up with that? What's the time frame on a song like that? No, I, no. Some of them just come within minutes or what? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I wrote the chorus just while I was showering that whole, I mean, that. And then, uh, so, if you feel a song, I would say just, just write it. Try to get the whole thing written and bring that to a co-write. And, uh, you know, if you think it could be better, you know, some more clever lines thrown into what you've already gotten because you've already got your, your core idea. So that's the way. And that is, uh, I, I kind of got that from Brent Cobb. <laughs> the whole co-writing deal. I mean, he, Brent would come, like, I remember uh, us writing with uh, Wayne Mills we show up and he he write you know he shows up with the the um I love this you know I need the country and he pretty much had the the whole first verse he was like what do you think about this and me and Wayne was like that's all right let's let's work on that so we finished you know wrote the chorus and and then the second verse to it and we may have changed a little bit on the first verse because I think there were some things that he wouldn't really sold on so but yeah, he's, I remember he said uh, the first line, you know, well, she looks like a cowgirl, but talks like Helen Reddy. Wants to be from the South, but she was born in Cincinnati. So he wanted to put Cincinnati in this song for some reason, so bad. So he called up his dad and he said, Dad, what's a, uh, like a famous woman that her, you know, he was looking for a name, a specific name that rhymed with Cincinnati. And his dad just like came up with Helen Reddy. I'm like, who the hell is Helen Reddy? <laughs> it's Helen Reddy. I never heard of her. Oh, I Googled her. I but had it's, to Google. It's, it's a funny line because I, I don't know if there's a more dial, a, a more, let me, how, how should I say this? The Southern dialect is probably the most sought after there is. People want to be from the South. I go to the South a lot and I want to be from the South. Marty Hesh was born in Indiana. He says y'all, and he's Southern. Jim Ronquest from Rich and Tone Calls. He was born in Missouri. Yeah. He's in Arkansas, and you think he was born? Yeah. So it's like, you, I can see where, where Brent Cobb's see thinking. That, see, he, we, we, we both know that, but Brent Cobb wanted to say that in a song in a clever kind of way. So he said, wants to be from the South, but, She's from <laughs> but sounds like Helen Reddy. Yeah. Sing it again. Uh, That's the one that goes like Waylon needs his Willie. That's yeah. the one, right? Well, she looks like a cowgirl, but talks like Helen Reddy. Wants to be from the south, but she was born in Cincinnati. Said them street traffic, car headlights don't give her much good sleep at night. But heaven stars in the promised land ain't too far away. So awesome. Yeah, this has guitar. he cut it? Has BC cut that? Uh, he did a little. Uh, he did a little thing on it. He told me I. I don't know if I've even heard heard it. And uh, he said another guy, he he gave it to you to cut it. I hadn't heard that version either. So you're... And then Wayne Mills cut it. 
Wayne did. Uh, yeah, Wayne put it on his album that never was. So three people have cut it, and I haven't heard it. Heard it out there, because it's a strong song. I, heard, I haven't heard any of them. <laughs> I heard it on The Foul Life one time. That I did? Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of Kansas. That was like shortly after I wrote it. Or we wrote it. So you are in the Mitch right now. This is where I wanted to get to today. Of releasing, is this safe to say this is your was your first album engineered and produced like this one is with the studio time and everything that you've been putting into this one? No. So now you're in the Southern Ground Studio on Music Row, Zach Brown's Southern Ground Studio, and you're in the midst of making a record right now. 13 songs deep. Do you have a title for the album yet? Oh man. Or should you we know, name it here today? Well, you did throw it out there already a little bit. I, I, haven't, I haven't put it out there at all. I just, it's hidden in a, it's hidden in a, in a vault. So, um, <clears throat> so I got a song on there that I wrote with uh, a buddy of mine, Jamie Davis and um, Dan Isbell. But um, it was a song that I wanted to write and I kind of had some inspiration about my dad after a fishing trip we took <clears throat> years ago. It just kind of came to me one day, I was thinking about that fishing trip and just laughing about it. And uh, I, you know, I, I'd heard, uh, I'd heard the, somebody say it and then just kind of retained it. And I was like, man, yeah, I could write a song about that. And then I got to thinking about my dad and I's fishing trip. And I was like, oh, that's perfect for that, that hook that I had, you know, saved up. I said, I should, that should be the start of that song. So we got together and, and um, <clears throat> so that's why I kind of want to, uh, I'm leaning toward taking on water. Because there's a lot of meanings of taking on water. Yeah, well, the song was, I talked to him about it. We was talking, sitting there and I was like, you know, kind of the way this country is going. It was supposed to be one of those country songs, like wake up America songs, yeah. you know? That's, that was what the song was supposed to be, uh, wake up America. Get your head out of your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we haven't drowned yet, but we're taking on water. We're taking on water. Because all the, you know, what's going on? I mean, yeah. everything. It's crazy. You see it. No common sense. No. We're, lack of common sense. We've talked about it all, you know, every time we get together, we bring it up at least once. Yeah. The stupidity behind a bunch of things. But that, but we wrote the song and we were like, we changed our, we changed the whole thing into where it's, it's not, you know, we didn't go that route for, you know, the chance of making it to radio one of these days. <laughs> right. Um, but it starts off, you know, with a true story of me and my dad, I mean, going fishing and, you know. What did uh, you do, leave the plug out? No. Did your storm come in? No, you didn't, you didn't yeah, listen yeah. to the lyric. No, no, I know, but I would've- She had a couple cracks. Oh, that's the true story about it. So you didn't, you didn't hide nothing in that deal. No. The boat wasn't ready to go on the water. Why would your dad even try to take that boat on the water, though? It's the only one we had. <laughs> it obviously hasn't been used in a long time. Used it all the time. And it just happened to start taking on water, this one? You just had to go to the bank and get the water out if you wanted to keep going. <laughs> obviously, it wasn't that deep of a lake. Obviously, you hadn't listened to it. Oh, I've listened to this song many times. Many Daddy times. Daddy hauled a John boat in the back of his truck bed. Miles and miles of dirt road, 
beat it half to death. The paint was dull on that dented hole. It had a couple cracks. But you could still float a little while before you had to paddle back. How far do we let it all go? Before the wind rolls in black clouds and then that thunder starts to roll. We don't want to lose control. We better turn this thing around before we go any farther. We ain't drowned yet, but we're taking on water. You see how that could just go right into a song oh, right about America? America? Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. It is about America. Old Trump had a tough road to hoe, but they wouldn't let him pick it up. Them weeds kept getting in them rows, and he just had to shut up. But he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> he kept twittering, oh. tweeting. Kept tweeting them weeds. So this this is a great name of the album then. A great title of the album because it said it signifies what's going on right now. There's such a divide in our country. Everybody judges everybody. Everybody's under scrutiny. Social media, you don't have to be famous to be under scrutiny. Everybody's a judge now. Everybody can say whatever they want with no responsibility or being held accountable for. But then on top of that, <laughs> you can say what you want to say, but there's so many people that just wear their feelings right there and they get so butthurt yeah i was gonna say that but you can say that yeah they get so butthurt i mean they're so sensitive i mean where are the where are the balls america where are your balls i get it i mean if you were to tell me hey hoss i don't like them crocs on your feet which i've said you look like a total douche (laughs) am i gonna no you're gonna laugh and we're gonna giggle and then I'm but I say mean, some people. Oh yeah. If you, if you were to say that to some, half of America, I would say, yep. the left wingers. <laughs> All right, there I go. I went too specific. Oh, you did. <laughs> it don't matter to me. But I mean, seriously, if you were to say, "Hey, man, Crocs are dumb," well, there would be you would have ten lawsuits on your ass. Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. Chad Bellin said my Crocs would made me look like a moron and I'm taking him to court. Yeah. I mean, just, just stupid shit. And the, what's sad is the justice system even allows these stupid lawsuits to even, I mean, why aren't they laughing them back out of the courtroom? Yeah, they ain't is got what time I, for that. Nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody got time for that. They don't. It's true. It's, it's, it's or amazing. Or money for that. Nobody's got time or money for that. That's wasting, oh, that just makes me sick to think how America has gotten Yep. It's a lot of laziness. Hey, I can get a quick buck for that guy just talking about my Crocs. Yep. Spill my hot coffee on me. Soon. Oh, that's what started it all. It all started right there. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. One it, was gonna, it was going to go there anyway. One of, it had to be one of them. It was going to go Everybody's there. Everybody's looking for that because nobody wants to work. If Nobody. You go to work, even though the unemployment rate's at an all-time low, it's almost like everybody, would they wait for the world to come to them and hit that lottery. 
And it's that's not going to happen. You know, that's why I want to keep it, the, you know, the simple life. And I'm hoping it rubs off on people. Hey, man, that guy is happy as hell. Something has to happen where it rev- it goes back to where it was in music, in society, in less social media, and goes back to conversation and jargon and actually conversing with somebody and having a transparent conversation and not getting so butthurt over things and not judging everything and not being so critical of everything. And, you know, like... I think I every day I'm like, when is it going to go back? When is country music going to slide back to where I think it should be? Yeah. When I grew up listening to country music, it was nothing to have. There's uh, going to be people offended by this conversation that hear oh, you. Oh, I guarantee it. But I mean, I, 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 I've always said, I've always said that something is go, going to halt this movement of whether you call it bro country or whatever. I truly feel that that needs to get back to what you write about and what you sing about. Brett Cobb should be on everyday well, radio in America right now. Would you agree with that? Well, that's the thing though. I, I would agree, but that's just mine and your opinion and we don't run the radio. And we don't make the money, we don't but, create the revenue, I get it. But but that's the thing, I mean, there's more there's more people that are causing the radio to play that than you and i oh yeah <laughs> i mean our for sure i mean we just like they say if you want to bitch about something you need to try to change it i'm just simply stating an opinion well, that country music is the genre that all of these well, ex- obviously there's ex- a place for it so you can't talk bad about but it's it. all these ex we're not talking bad and, about it it's ex rockers and ex rappers and ex boy banders come into this genre because it's where the money is are you talking about aaron lewis <laughs> I no, love Aaron Lewis. No, I, Aaron Lewis is pretty country. He is Aaron real Lewis country. is pretty country. He's pretty badass. But there's a lot of people. Aaron Lewis made it as a rocker. He probably didn't he need to make. He didn't need to make it in the country. He probably just loves it. He's got a lot of passion for his song. He didn't want to give it up. He just says he loves I music. Love, I, love I love his music. Yeah. But I don't know. We can go on about that all day. I just think, I'm gonna dress up as Aaron Lewis for Halloween. Halloween. You're gonna get a neck tattoo. Yep. I love Aaron Lewis. His <laughs> concerts are awesome. But I, I mean, I really would like to see it revert back to. Don Williams. Hey, what's wrong with that kind of music? Name a song on the radio today that's like that besides Stapleton. But, I know, man. Is but, there any? You know, but just look like... There's a song on the radio right now called Knockin' Boots. Knockin' Boots. And it sounds like a, it sounds like something you'd hear in a, a disco. Well, you know, the 16-year-old people, the kids... Are buying are, concert tickets. Well, they're listening to it on the radio. Streaming music. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a place for it, man. I, you know... Okay, so you're saying there's a place for Knockin' Boots... But there's not a place for this next song I'm going to ask you to sing, which is one of the most clever songs written. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, they should just really... Laugh it out of the courtroom and laugh it out of the radio. What's the difference? No, they shouldn't laugh it out of the radio. If it's not suitable, suitable for country music, but who am I to say what is well, and what isn't? they just need to start a different genre is the only thing I think that's we're fine. saying. I think that's what we're okay, saying. Okay, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because they shouldn't call it country music because it's not country it's music. It's not country music. So don't call it, don't don't no. get nominated for a country music we award said, when it's not country music. You're singing. 100%. That's the only thing Two I'm saying. Two hours last I'm night. I'm not dogging their, their songs. It's just not my, I've always said, the, Taylor Swift. She's Taylor awesome. Swift was the first artist I've ever even said this comment about, but there's a lot more than Taylor Swift. Uh, I may not like their music, but they're great at what they do. She's awesome behind camera. She's awesome at creating the the sound she's wanting to create. And she's even, I mean, gotten so much. I watched Taylor Swift do her showcase when I was telling you I bartended at the Wild, Wild Horse. She came by, walked by, and looked like a little olive oil. I think I may have told you, but it was, uh, she was skinny as a rail, and she 
you know, and I just didn't, wasn't blown away. The house band was better than the deal. Yeah. But Hard the, work, the house band is not better than her now. No. She's grown, but still, but I, wait a minute, I, I have to say this, I do love, Hate it gonna hey 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 shake it off. I was just gonna start saying shake it off. I love that. That's my favorite song. That whole album's good. That's my favorite song she's got out. That whole album, but she's not country anymore. No, she might have some country roots. So so listen to what you want to listen to, but what they need to change is the name of the genre, and they need to if they're gonna still give out country music awards, CMAs, it needs to be country music. One hundred percent. Because this stuff that country music should not have. Uh, the voice tracks, box, tracks, tra- tracks any of that on no. it. It should have steel guitar, some Mickey Raphael harmonica, yeah. some snare. It should you have... don't hear no bluegrass with no tracks on it. No. We just went and saw Ricky Skaggs. You don't hear any of that stuff on there. No. He was playing a ukulele. <laughs> ukulele. <laughs> That's the best damn ukulele I ever heard. We got to meet Ricky Skaggs two weeks ago. Well, you probably had already met him. That's my first time. What no. is he doing with his hair, though? He got that hair going nuts. So... I, I really feel that, okay, that, I'll agree with that. I will say there needs to be a different genre. Because if you take a song like, I've been throwing horseshoes, that is one, of, in my opinion, one of the greatest country songs that I can listen to every day of my life, right? Because that's the way love goes. Yes. You will never, there's not a song on the radio like that anymore. And there's country musicians out there. Like, I think Miranda Lambert's very country. I think she's solid as they get. She got album of the year for that, the album she did two years ago. I think she's as country as they get. But I think that there's a lot of influence in today's country music that you say is not country. So why is it being allowed to be in the country music genre? That's what the big question is. And it's because these record labels know where the money's at. And yep. they're going to keep pushing it. Big Machine, I, Scott well, Bichette has created I mean, a mint. He's, he's built a, an empire. But there's a lot of people on his label that I wouldn't qualify as country. But you can't fault him for that or nobody He's else. making money. You can't. Yeah. That's where the money is. But they just need to change. All they need to do is just change the name. Who's they? Anybody. Well, yeah. whoever's in charge. Who's ever in charge of the music king. So tell me a little bit about the day you wrote Wingman with Bobby Pinson. Bobby Pinson has, has, I don't know if he's ever won Songwriter of the Year, but he has several number ones with Toby. He's written, uh, he, yeah, he's, he's won BMI Songwriter of the Year. BMI Songwriter of the Year. Yeah. Back, you, you, uh, he, at one time he had started a publishing company. I don't know what the deal is now, but you were his first artist and writer to be signed to that publishing company, yeah. right? Yeah. And Gutter you, and Grace. What's it called? Gutter and Grace. Gutter and Grace. That's a cool name. Yeah. See, he's a wordsmith too. Yeah, he is. He's, he's one of the best in Nashville. Some of the songs he's done are Made in America, Toby Keith, uh, Beers Ago. Um, he just did Rearview Town for Aldine. Some of He did it. some of it for Eric Church. Burning Man. Burning Man for Brothers Osborne. Yeah. Those are just five number ones that quick. I mean, look, Sugarland hits. Sugarland hits. All I want to do. And, yeah. And he's, and he's yeah. amazing at it. Yeah. But you get to sit down and write with Bobby P. And you come up with this song called Wingman, mm-hmm. which we've heard a lot. And you put a little bit of a new kick on it, a new spin on it in the studio. Which he hadn't heard yet. He hadn't heard yet. <laughs> well, I won't play this until you tell him. But this version here is... I think your wife said something like, it sounds like a love song when you sing it, Lee. Yeah. And it's more like a buddy song, like a Butch and the Sundance Kid, which yeah. is in the song. It's yeah. more of a Bo and Luke Duke kind of song. I'll, Just a good old boy. That's what I'm thinking. Let me hear it, please. The new version. New version? Yeah. The one that's going to shock the pants off the people that's, yeah. that's familiar with the old version? Yeah. It did me the other <laughs> night. I was like, man, I love this riff. 
birds of the same feather wherever I was, you find him. Fought my first fight alongside him. Caught my first good buzz with him. We were more like brothers looking out for each other, hung together through thick and thin. Even when the pickings were slim, he'd take the thick and leave me the thin. Gotta have a wingman's wingman, ask questions, little man. Standing there when you're making you a stand. When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again. Everybody needs a buddy like him. Gotta have a go-to, get you through all of what you're going through. God knows he's gonna be there for you when he hits the fan. Gotta have a wingman. Sound like a little bit of Charlie Daniels influence. Fighting, drinking, raising hell. Man can't do it all by himself. Hell, it ain't as fun without a wingman. Swingman, ask questions, little man. Standing there when you're making you a stand. When you fall, you can call him to pick you up again. Everybody needs a buddy like him. Have a go to get you through all of what you're going through. God knows he's going to be there for you when he hits the fan. You got to have a wingman. Man, buddy. <laughs> Some canola got stuck in my fingers on that Hoss. last little lick. All three songs you've done so far, they're all on the album? They all yeah. on there? Yes, sir. So, the album list. You know how, you know why I got, <clears throat> yeah, I lost that last lick because Brent Cobb stole it from me. He did? What'd he steal? <laughs> that last lick I was trying to do. He did? I ain't got it no more. He stole it. He did? He told me he stole it. Really? He said, man, I stole a few lick, You know, Brent, Cobb, Brent Cobb's doing the podcast on uh, next Sunday. Yeah. A week from this Sunday. So, just now you did Some Days Are Better Than Others that you wrote with Ashley McBride. Yeah. You did Wingman that you wrote with Bobby Pinson. Mm -hmm. Ashley McBride's got hits on the radio. Yeah. Bobby Pinson is uh, just an unbelievable gifted songwriter that has tons of credentials yeah. and awards. And then you also did Taking on Water that you you named the gentleman that you wrote that with who were, they were who? Uh, Jamie Davis and Dan Isbell. Does Jamie or Dan have uh, any hits under their belt that you know um, of or well, any cuts? Dan Isbell is uh, signed to uh, Jonathan Singleton's uh, publishing deal. He's working with Jonathan Singleton, and yeah, he's had uh, he's getting a few cuts right now. I can't name them uh, exactly, but he's had some Chris Young cuts and yeah, a few others. Chris Young cut. Yeah, I like his new song. Not, nothing, just uh, no big hits, but he's had some. Definitely had some cuts. He's a great writer. So this album, we don't know the name of it yet. This has been part one of a two-part podcast that we're going to do. We're going to continue this because right now we have to go to the field. And when I say go to the field, that means we have to go blind up, decoy up, load mm -hmm. up, keep pulling that trigger, which is another number one hit you wrote back load in the day. Keep, keep pulling, pulling that, that trigger. trigger. Boy, that was back in the day. That that song's already a, an antique. <laughs> an antique. <laughs> that was written in Kansas, too. That was written classic. in Kansas, too, which that is where the good years, good years was thought oh, of in Kansas. Yeah. Which is a, another clever lyric. Yeah. How does it go? It, it, it didn't make the album. I'm looking at the list running right now. Running kind. What are we calling it? Oh, running kind. You don't play the good years. I always called it the good years. Well, we don't. We, we don't know yet. 
it was the good years. It's never made an album, so it's. God, I love that song. Sing the sing the hook real quick, please. Don't you don't need to play, but what? How did how did the lyrics go for? All these long, long nights. nights, whiskey and cold beer, wearing out. Treads on my good years. Even the best of us have to slow down in time. That's a hard pill to swallow for running kind. Call. Good years, wearing our treads off our good years, the nightlife, this life ain't for everybody, coming up in the honky-tonks, just working a nine-to-five or make, keeping food on the table, being a provider for your family, whether Pouring it's a mom or dad. bartending and playing music on the weekends. All of it. Bus driving, being a janitor, being <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. Kenny Lofton looking for arrowheads with a stick, losing his fishing rod up in a tree, and then going back and say, I found it. I love that story too. Oh, well, I need to get Kenny Lofton on the podcast. Oh, He'd man. be killed. He wouldn't be able to sit still long well, enough, huh? You would not believe the look on his face when my wife said, there's a fishing rod in the tree. <laughs> the whole fishing rod. Not just the bait, oh, not, not the lure. The whole tree. The, the whole fishing rod was laying in the tree. He said, oh man, I was looking for that. <laughs> He didn't God, want the cows to step I, on it down I, I wish we had a little bit of uh, a different audience to tell the trail camera story. Yeah. <laughs> There's some Kenny Lofton stories. They go for miles. Oh, I love being sitting around in Honey Break in Louisiana with Drew Keith and listening to him when you tell him with him. So part two is coming up. I want to get into more of the album, the more of the influence of these songs, and just talk about when the release date is and what's the goal of this album. How does it work when you release an album? Because a lot of a lot of artists have number one hits. It's changed over the years. It's changed over the years. Yeah. So I, I want to learn a little bit more about that. I want to get too. tonight. We're hunting tonight. We're hunting. Hopefully we'll find out. About we are. About I that promise you time. we are. Tonight we're hunting and then we're eating. Yeah. We're eating prime rib tonight. Dan Hendo's going to be upset. I don't get to cook the duck. I went in there to get all the duck ready. And in Ray Ray's, like, I got a prime rib. I looked at it on the Traeger, and I'm like, good night. We can't go against this. I'm like, well, what about an appetizer? And he's like, well, let's do it for your birthday. So my birthday party's tomorrow in Grant's Shop so and Bar. you're cooking for your birthday. Yeah, I'm cooking for my birthday. You're playing for my birthday, which I wouldn't want anybody else. Dan Hendo Henderson here. My brother Clay's here. Tyson, the whole Buck Paradise crew. We'll sit down tomorrow before the party and do part two of this podcast and get into the rest of these songs on here. But as we go out today... I, I want to hear my favorite song on the album. I might have you touch on it again tomorrow. It's called One Whiskey Away. Just because I think it's so clever. The band kicked in. The booze did too. Got that looking good, feeling good, pretty. That song is so well written. Who'd you write this one with? Oh, it's a BP song. This is you and Bobby Pinson? Yeah. This is Leith Lofton written by him and Bobby Pinson. One Whiskey Away. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. This life ain't for everybody. Check out DeemerBox.com and DixCPEC.com for all of your tire needs. For Leith Lofton from the Buck Paradise Saskatchewan Lodge and Resort, I'm Chad Belding. Talk to you guys soon. Take it away. I just came in here to have a couple beers with a buddy that was feeling low. One thing led to another and that other was a shot. Got us where we wanted to go. You can only go so far on a good beer bus. I don't like whiskey, but I loves what it does. The band kicked in, booze did too. Got that looking good, feeling good, pretty good mood. I ain't crazy, but on any given day, I'm just one whiskey away. Good.
Old girl in the corner better go on and stop Looking like she likes what I look like Cause that big old boy she's got hung on her arm Looks like he don't like me much as she might I ain't here to dance, ain't here to fight If we go another round, hell I just might Cause the band kicked in, booze dead too Got that looking good, feeling good, pretty good mood I ain't crazy, but on any given day I'm just one whiskey away I'm saying, hey, it wasn't me, it was the Jack Y'all, I can hold my liquor till it don't hold me back Somebody hold me back Cause the band kicked in Booze did too Got that looking good, feeling good Pretty good mood Y'all, I ain't crazy But on any given day I'm just one whiskey away Hey, hey <laughs> Yeah oh, I ain't crazy But on any given day I'm just one whiskey away. Oh, let's go kill some ducks. Oh, thank you, buddy. I think that went well. Yes, sir.